Well, if you have your Bible today, I want you to go to Psalm chapter 1, and then I want you to put a marker in John chapter 13. Now, you can also follow along on the Bible app. All the notes are there. You can find us, uh, either click on a link, there, it's out there on Facebook, or you can uh, go and find us uh, via an event. And uh, all of the notes will be there, and you can add your own notes in the Bible app as well. We've been in a series called The Pathways of Victory. Pathways of Victory. Why? Why are we talking about victory so much? It's because the hallmark of Christianity is Jesus came out of the grave on the third day. It is the greatest moment of victory in human history, okay? And so we see this, and it not only does he do give us victory like the, the example of of victory from his victory over the grave, but he gives us the power to enter into that victory through faith in who he is. So not only do we see that he experienced victory, he then gives us victory through faith in him. And there are there are places, literally paths that God has established within the word where we can position ourselves and experience change and experience his presence. And we find that, an example of that, in Psalm 1. And Psalm 1 says this, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Well, what's that place that God establishes in that verse? It's meditation. We talked at length about this. If this is your first time here, go to calvary.online. You can listen to this whole series of messages because the, the real key to experience the victory that is happening in this person's life is the river of God's presence. It is the river which nourishes the tree. Look at your neighbor this morning and say, I am that tree. Oh man, you're not so convinced. All right, look at your neighbor and say, you are that tree. All right, all right, I like that. Now, husbands, that's not the way you normally want to compliment your wife. I'd work on that a little bit. Don't just call her a tree and think she's going to be super blessed, okay? What we see here is that God is saying, listen, I want you established in every season, your life full of grace, your life is producing something, and whatever you do prospers. And what's the key to that? It's getting in the river of his presence, and that it's the presence of God which brings grace to us. It's what carries God's undeserved favor to us. And listen, grace is how we're changed. We're not changed by willpower, we're changed by his power, his presence, and his undeserved favor manifesting in our life. However, there are places, you can't just say, well, all right, I'm going to be a person in victory and never step into the river. Well, where's the river flow? It flows in these places that God has prepared for us, like meditating on his word. And like the one I'm going to mention today. Now, today's sermon, sometimes we have shouting sermons here at, at Calvary. Sometimes we have amen services. Today's sermon is likely to be an oh me service. An oh me sermon. Something where God 
kind of wipes back, you know, all of the things that we have created. We've kind of built our little kingdoms up and we're, we're walking in a measure of strength in life and we're like, oh, I'm doing pretty good. And then all of a sudden, God drops a truth on us like a bomb and then, and then we get back to the place where God can use us. That's probably what today is. Today is a message called the pathway of service. The pathway of service, which is absolutely appropriate on this weekend. You know what this is? This is Memorial Day weekend. Our kids probably think Memorial Day is just Memorial Day weekend. It's just the beginning of summer. It's where you might go out on a boat and grill hamburgers and uh, you know hang out with family. This is this is where you take the first couple days off after school and you go do something fun. No Memorial Day especially Memorial Day, is the day you remember the people who made that possible. Who gave the ultimate sacrifice and laid down their life for a people. It's the people who have served and died. They served and died for not only a people, but a set of ideals which has created the greatest nation which has ever existed on the planet. They served, uh, uh, you know, and stood in the way of all enemies, both foreign and domestic, and said, I am willing to lay down my life, and they did it. And I want to say to any of the families here who know the costly nature of being one who might have a family member who gave that way. Your family is highly cherished. Your family is loved and honored despite what you might hear in culture. I want to say if you've ever experienced that, I believe that you on this planet have been close to those who have modeled for us Christ by laying down their lives for us so that we could live in freedom. Can we just take a moment and pray for families? I, I was moved at my, my daughter's graduation that they remembered a young man named Aaron Weaver from this, from this area who gave his life in service not that many years ago. And, and I, I just want us to take a moment before we share just to pray for those families who have pray, who have who have given this ultimate sacrifice. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, I Lord, first of all, Lord, I'm so grateful for this nation and grateful for the men and women, Lord, who have chosen to serve and ultimately, Lord, have laid down their lives. God, I pray, Lord, a special grace upon those families a special grace upon those moms and dads and sons and daughters, Lord, who have experienced, Lord, this great sacrifice that we remember this weekend. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray an abundance of your peace be upon them. May they they in this weekend, Lord, feel a sense of, of being valued, a sense of being remembered, God. I ask, Lord, in Jesus' name, that you would use this weekend to unite a country which seems to be divided in many ways. God, do a deep work in the United States of America as we remember those who laid down their life for this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, today, we're going to be talking about 
the pathway of service. Now, in order for us to uh, talk about this pathway of grace, this place of grace called service, you, you don't really ever enter into service unless you understand submission. By the way, you know, that's one of those verses that husbands seem to memorize so easily. Wives, submit to your husbands. Actually, I saw a guy in first service nearly lost his life when he elbowed his wife when I quoted that verse. <laughs> Security had to be called. No, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, we're quick to quote that, but actually, did you know that Ephesians 5, before it ever says, wives, submit to your husbands, that the scripture says, submit yourself to one another out of reverence and fear? That means that husbands, you're actually supposed to submit to your wife as well. Oh, this isn't a marriage sermon today. Uh, and I see the confusion because you only had that one view of submission. But I want you to understand that submission isn't what you make, it's what you give. It's where you willingly come under and you say, uh, okay, because I submit my life to another person, the next logical step is service. Because I, I, have, I, have, I have made the decision that I am going to be concerned about their well-being. Now, we must not fall into the temptation of identifying the discipline of service by identifying the tasks. But we must allow the works themselves to flow uh, out of a heart that's submitted to God. That means I'm submitted to God and that is why I serve. I don't serve saying, God, I hope you see I'm submitted to you. God, the things that I do, they flow because God, my life is yours. Now today, I want to take you to a passage it comes from the night that Jesus was betrayed. There's so much truth here. There's so much life here. If we will simply uh, allow the Spirit of God to blow back the facade and, and bring us into the reality of what the kingdom looks like. Because it was on full display the night Jesus was about to be betrayed. John 13 verse 1 says this, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come and that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And supper being ended, the devil having already put it in the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going to God. Did you hear that? Having given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God. Rose from supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing, you do not understand now, but you will know after this. Peter said to him, You will never wash my feet. Jesus answered and said, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet, but, but 
also my hands and my head. And Jesus said, he who is bathed needs only to, to wash feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you, for he knew who would betray him. Therefore, he said, you're not all clean. So when he had washed their feet and taken his garments and sat down, he said to them, do you know what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. Do as I have done to you. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. This is a a wonderful and perplexing passage. Imagine, if you will, Jesus knowing that Satan has entered Judas and yet he washes the feet of his betrayer. I want you to understand today that in this pathway of victory, there is something that Jesus is is telling us about service that will lead us into life. Here's what Jesus teaches here, that service is the way of the kingdom. Service is the way of the kingdom. John 13, 14 says, If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Now before we go too far, I, I am not, no one is coming in with bowls of water and towels this morning, okay? So I can, I can just squash any fears just if I can have a moment of confession because of last week's sermon. I don't like foot washing. You know, I find it strange that anyone other than my wife, and sometimes even my wife, might want to touch my feet. Okay? We're not from that culture. We're not a part of that culture. It is not in our culture. If somebody walks up to me with a bowl and a towel, I'm calling the police. Okay? (laughs) Get away from me. No. This is, no, don't touch me. Okay? That's my nature. Okay? However, I can't ignore the truth of this passage because of my nature. I can't ignore it because Jesus has some real truth here and says, this is the way of the kingdom. Now, the world that we're taught about, it looks like a chicken pen. Some of you just moved to Citrus County, you're like, A chicken pen? Yeah, everybody's got them here. You'll end up with one soon enough. (laughs) End up with a chicken pen. You're like, really? Good friend of mine, Pastor Jacob Peterson, I saw him yesterday. He got a chicken pen. He moved from Tampa to uh, Alabama, got a chicken pen, and he was apologizing to his chickens online because he had no electric fence. And he said, Chickens, I'm so sorry if you get eaten tonight. I'll have your electric fence tomorrow. But if, if this is our last meeting, farewell. You know, and uh, 
But our culture teaches us that life's like a chicken pen. That everything, there's a pecking order. That's where that comes from. There's a pecking order. And then what we do is we peck and peck and fight and fight because we're trying to be at the top. We're trying to be the chief chicken. And what do we notice when everybody is fighting to become the chief chicken in our culture? Everybody's feathers are ruffled. And they post about it. Um, the kingdom way is not the world's way. The kingdom way is totally opposite this. There's no peace in the world's way. Notice what Jesus says in Matthew 20, verses 25 through 28. He says, but Jesus called them to himself and says, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles, they lord it over them and and those who are great exercise authority over them, yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to be great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He says, the way of the kingdom... Is what Jesus was saying. Is the way of the towel. Got a lot of icons in Christianity. Our church is named after one. It's called Calvary. Calvary means the place of the skull. It's the place of the crucifixion. It's, it is connected to the icon of the cross. But let me tell you, uh, I believe that the church has missed one of the greatest icons that led to the cross. It's a towel. Jesus said, I did not come to be served, but I came to serve. And he washed feet. A few years ago, along with a few other people here, I got invited to go and minister to some Arabs in Toronto. Initially, they, they brought me there because they had heard of, of what God was doing in our student ministry. These parents had been gathering for three years praying for their kids. These parents had fled the Middle East, and the reason they fled the Middle East is because they were being persecuted to the point of death threats. And many of them left Egypt and had come to Toronto and formed a community, and their children were small when they arrived. But Toronto is not like the Middle East. Toronto is very Western. It is a wet, I mean, if you go to Niagara, Falls, it feels like they put Orlando on a big river. And so you go there and, and there's this, it's very Western. And here are these people with Eastern culture and Eastern values and, and so intensely connected to Christ that they would move their family halfway around the world just to worship. And then they've got Western kids. And they called me. And when I got there, I told them, I said, hey, um, 
I'm Pastor Otis, and I don't know how, why I'm here. I'm not Arab. They said, no, we heard what God was doing, and we prayed for years that God would open a door. And we, I did a camp in a very, very traditionally Arab location, and God moved in power and touched all of those kids, and the whole camp responded. The parents who were there watching that night, seeing their kids respond to Jesus for the first time, they stood in the back and wept. And while their kids had, had started this journey with Jesus, there remained a divide. And that divide was based on culture. Their kids, very Western, they themselves with Eastern values. Meaning this, in every household, every household serves dad. It's very, very, everything is built around serving the father in the home. And honor isn't, isn't something that is given willingly. Honor is something that is expected. And in Western culture, you, you, you don't take teenagers and say, I expect you to honor. You love them to the place where honor flows from their heart. And yet there was this cultural divide, this gap. So they said, I want, we want you to come back. We want you to come back. We, we're, we're, we see God moving in them, but there's still a division. And I will never forget this night, and there are others uh, from Calvary who went and were in that room. And what we experienced in that room that night was nothing short of the atmosphere of heaven. You see, I had an argument with God before I went. Terribly lost that argument. You see, God spoke to me and he says, he says, I want you to share a message. There's still a savior with a towel. And he said to me, I want you to have a foot washing service. I'm like, God, you got the wrong guy. Uh oh. That means people will be touching my feet. I don't know what's going to happen here. And God just weighed on my heart. And here we are in this service built for young people bowls and towels and soap laid out. I preach this message that there's still a Savior with a towel. And I said, at the end of this, now we're going to take steps of faith that God said we would be blessed if we would do this. And as we prayed and worshiped, nobody's moving. All the parents that night, I didn't even know they were coming to this youth meeting. 
but all of them had come. And there we were crammed in this, this basement, parents sitting on stairs and viewing this whole scene that's going on. I remember in this final kind of moment, here's all of these towels and nothing happening. And the Lord speaks to me and he says, hey, you see that young man that really got touched when you first came? Tell him that if he will wash his father's feet, everything will change in this community. I walked up to him secretly and privately because I didn't know if this kid would do it. And I said, ah, Chris, I said, sometimes God talks to me and you can, you can weigh this out for yourself, but... Here's what God said. He said, if you would wash your dad's feet, God would do a work in your community through this. And he's like, Pastor Otis, why are you asking me that? Six months ago when God touched me, it would seem like six months. I, I should have washed his feet then because I had no relationship with that man. But when God changed my life, it's like I, I discovered my best friend. And for the last six months since you were here last, it's been amazing. We're, we're, we're so connected like never before. I said, son, I, I can only tell you what God spoke to me. And he stood there and paused and we sat there kind of in awkward silence. And then he went and picked up the towel and grabbed his dad and walked his dad over and washed his feet in what happened next is all the students started to go get their parents and that day I saw walls fall through the power of the towel and everything that those family members have been crying out for They received through a towel. We were all undone. That's why I'm a little bit emotional now even thinking about that moment because the presence of God that came into that room was tangible. We left that moment and no one who was in that room, when we reflect on that moment, all of us go, you know, we've had some high moments in God. We've had some glorious moments of praise, but if we could pick a moment to go back to, to try to recapture that presence, we would all go. Do you remember that basement meeting we had when God brought walls down through a towel? You see, that's what Jesus did. Richard Foster says this, the spiritual authority of Jesus is not found in a position of, or title, it's found in a towel. And this word servant that he mentions here, it's diakonos, it literally means thoroughly dust. It's actually the idea that this person is so active for the kingdom, they kick up dust for God. 
they kick up dust. And so the one who says, I'm going to pick up the way of the kingdom, I'm going to pick up the way of the towel, is the one who will make a difference in the kingdom of God. The one who will make a difference in humanity. It's one who picks up the towel of service, which is the way of the kingdom. And here's the truth that will confront a lie. Service is spiritual. Service is spiritual. John 13, 15 says, For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Anything that Jesus was doing was having a profound spiritual impact on the hearers and the disciples. And this was Jesus' spiritual tool of discipleship, service. You know what the towel prevents? It prevents you from ever saying, I'm not going to do that because it's not my gifting. Hey, you're in a church that wants to help you discover your gifting, but you'll never walk in the fullness of your gifting until you learn to serve in places that have no connection to it. The greatness of your gifting will never be on full display unless the humility of the towel has made a place for it. That's why Jesus says in Matthew 25, he says he will set the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left and the king will say to those on his right, come you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world for I was hungry and you gave me food, I was thirsty and you gave me drink, I was a stranger and you took me in, I was naked and you clothed me, I was sick and you visited me, I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or, or feed you or thirsty and give you drink and when do we see you a stranger and take you in or naked or clothe you? And when do we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it unto one of the least of my brethren, you did it to me. You have to understand that when we enter into practical service, it is spiritual. Why? Not Because Jesus says that people will receive the service here, but Jesus himself receives it in heaven. That means it is practical, but it is having a wonderful, spiritual impact to the point that it is laying up reward for you. Listen, in our culture, the, uh, in the church, radical self-denial is celebrated. Oh, I'm going to go and smuggle Bibles into China. I'm willing to live you know, for God in a radical way. I will spill my blood for the gospel. And that in some ways is, is celebrated in a greater way than serving in the local church. And yet Jesus said, hey, if you could find a towel in your community, I'll receive it in heaven. 
if you'll find some water to wash the feet of your community, I'll make a difference. Now, by the way, when you serve, there will be awkward moments. I experienced one of the weirdest moments of my life trying to be spiritual with a towel. No joke. I was having a service here. The Lord told me to wash a lady's feet. Okay, again, not something I want to do. She was an elderly pastor, and the Lord said, I want you to wash her feet. So in obedience, I had no basin, but I had a bottle of water and a towel. I went over to her to wash her feet. And I took her first foot and washed it. Dried it off. I took her second foot, and it was much different than the first foot. It was wooden. I'm down there already. What do I do? I'm like, in my mind, I'm making jokes. I'm like, I should have brought a bottle of water and pledge. I'm like... I didn't know what to do, so what did I do? I poured water on the wooden foot and dried it off. And I'm like, I, I hope that was protected. There'll be moments when you're trying to live this way of kingdom and you're trying to serve and you just end up in an awkward moment. It's like, yeah, I did my best. <laughs> but you're going to have to understand that when you serve, it's spiritual. And you're making a difference even when you feel a little out of sort. And I would say that there are probably some of you in here who need to hear that this church lives intentionally to reach the next generation. And some of you in the room, you're like, uh, yeah, I get around kids and I'm like, eh. No. Not my thing. Feel a little awkward. And I would say, sometimes you just need to do it. So when there's that meeting next week about the way that parents could get around 120 kids and welcome them and check them in or help them find their things and Get on a good day, you know, whatever those needs are that Pastor Carl has. You know, sometimes you just need to pick up your towel. It's not about your gifting. It's about your willingness to serve and understanding that this has a spiritual implication that could last generations. You don't know who's standing in front of you. It's like saying, okay, God, this backpack is more than about notebooks and pens and paper. God, this is spiritual. I'm sowing this into the life of a child who's been abandoned for whatever reason. Jesus is going to say, that's my backpack. Because you picked up a towel. And despite what you might see in our culture, and even within church culture, 
Service is the call to lifelong greatness. It is not the call to stand on a stage or, or to perhaps, uh, you know, be, be one who, who would uh, have a broadcast or a ministry that, that goes around the world. No, greatness in the kingdom is connected to service. And listen, this is the part that you need to hear. It's lifelong. Matthew 20, 26, it says, It shall not be so among you, and whoever desires to be great among you, let him be your servant. It's our whole life that is called to service. It's not a season. So for those who are retired in here, listen, you're not retiring from being a Christian, and you're not retiring from service. No, you just get in places like this and get refired. You get fresh fire from God. And you say, don't, don't ever say to yourself, oh, I did my duty, you know. I, 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 you know, I went into prison ministry and served our children. Like, oh, I was in jail while I was doing it. No, no, no. You don't think, well, I, I served here, I served there, so let somebody else do it. No, God is saying, listen, our whole life is called into service. As a matter of fact, when you read the book of Hebrews not Hebrews, Hosea chapter 6, verse 4, it says, O Ephraim, what shall I do with you? O Judah, what shall I do? For your faithfulness is like a morning cloud. It's like early dew and it goes away. He's saying, listen, becoming a servant of God isn't something you do for a season. It's who we are as an expression of Christ to the world. That's why I always say about pastors and leaders in the body of Christ, you never retire. You just graduate one day. You just graduate and go on to your eternal reward. I want to finish today with this passage. Because I know that there are people in this room who want to make a difference in this county. Who believe that as a church God is positioning us to make a significant impact in this region. We will only be great if we listen to the words of Jesus. Whoever desires to be first among you, Matthew 20, let him be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. If you're here today, And you think of God in this terms that he is trying to force your life into servitude. You are so wrong. The way Jesus comes to all of us is with a towel. The cross was not only his duty, it was an act of service. And he stripped himself as he did that night of all of his rights as the son of God. He laid them down to give his life, to pay the price so you and I could have a relationship with God unhindered by the weight of sin. Jesus doesn't come making you follow him. He comes with and ask this question that he asked that night. Do you understand what I have done for you? 
Do you understand? And then he says this. You'll be blessed if you do the same.